Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I'm super excited about today's show. I know I always say that, but this guy that we have on today, um, you know, we were talking off camera and we haven't actually spoken in person for a while, but every single time that I talk to this human, I just get so energized and just jacked up because this guy brings so much life to the world and just energy. I love watching him. And I'm sure we'll get into this too, but we were talking about the fact that even though we haven't personally connected forever, um, you know, just watching the way that Courtney Atkinson lives his life and flows through life and shows up is just a huge um, empowerment to me. So thanks for being on the show, man. Dude, that's such a such an amazing intro. I, I hope that I can deliver in that way. But I want you to know that uh, th- that I feel the same way. What you've been doing and following your journey, brother, uh, is is super impressive. And even just the opportunity to reconnect before uh, we got live here was uh, was amazing. So I'm really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, me too. It's gonna be super fun. So let's jump into the four questions and see where this kind of takes us. So if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? The woman I married. Uh, I've thought about this lots, not just before today, but, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years. Now, I'm one of those people that's been married twice. I don't plan on doing it again, as you can well imagine. And I got married really, really young uh, to a woman I loved and uh, to a a person who was a a great fit for who I thought I was during that time. And I think like so many entrepreneurs and so many people, Mike, I think I was living somebody else's life for a really long time. And I think that person was a good fit for the masks that I was wearing and and my trying to fit into the kind of conventional version of who the, the universe thought that Courtney Atkinson was supposed to be. And that guy, you know, went to university and played football and you know, went to grad school and um, and did all these things that were kind of intended to please folks in my family and my community and folks that I had personal relationships with. But, you know, once I kind of got further down that road, I realized that it wasn't fulfilling and, and I wasn't happy. And sadly, I was in a relationship that was reflective of all that and, and had to take some charge and ownership of that. Um, and as sad as it is to to dissolve a marriage in a relationship, which by that point had been, you know, 15 years in the making, I, I, I felt like I just owed it to the future version of myself to live more intentionally with more honesty, with more integrity um, in, in a capacity that I thought was more reflective of what I could do and who I could be. And so, so I made that change. I made a career change. I get into real estate. And then as the universe would have it, I, I met this woman um, who grew up in a very entrepreneurial family and, uh, you know, whose family has really become like my own, you know, uh, a father, uh, you know, who I have deep respect for and, and a personal relationship with my wife, Mel, who I just couldn't imagine uh, being any better. Not to say that it's perfect. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure you've heard of uh, this guy, Kelly Flanagan, like so many of us GoPros have, have met and talked to Kelly's a relationship coach with us. We meet with him every couple of weeks and, and he helps us work through the challenges that we're faced within a relationship, but it's the best work I've ever done. You know, it's the, it's personal work and it's work for my wife. It's work for our children so that we can be living examples, I think, of what a good relationship looks like. And so I'm just really grateful that we crossed paths and, and decided to, to go down these roads together. It's been, it's been incredible. You know, that's a theme. Um, I, I, I used to say this all the time, like when, you know, we'd be at Front Row Dads or Go Abundance or whatever. And people would be like, man, how, you know, how do you, I just talk about like, I don't have that issue. And um, people are like, how, you know, how do you keep your relationship? And it's not that Karen and I are perfect either, but I used to say, you know, I'd miss lucky because I married someone that's just a, you know, a perfect gem and she's so easy to be married to. But I've been hearing this theme lately, like, you know, you just kind of brought it up and, and I guess in fairness back, like I used to think that like literally Kara is just so easy to be around and she's so fun. I actually saw a post um, in Go Abundance that you put up the other day and you were talking about your wife and you said she's funny AF, right? Like, um, I, I think there's something to be said. And I'm thinking about all the, con- I've had many conversations about this 
lately and it keeps coming back up. There's a guy that I love listening to. His name's Naval Ravikant. And he wrote an amazing book. Um, but he talks about that. One of the biggest decisions you'll ever make is the person that you decide to marry. Mm-hmm. And I love that you are vulnerable and, and honest about, you know, the initial, because there, I think there's, you know, a lot of times people don't get it right the first time and, and they decide to, uh, you know, stay there and be miserable and whatever else. But I love the follow-up to this. And again, it's, I'm sure it was painful and hard as hell at the time, but look at what you have now. It's like, that's the greatest impact on your success is being with the right human. It's crazy. I think we also have to take ownership of our personal development during these times as well. I mean, I was, I was wise enough, I suppose, to recognize that I needed to make these changes. But then I think we also have to own the fact that like, you know, I was this person who, who ruined a relationship. Like I, I did this thing for 15 years, like I need some fixing. And so I I was also wise enough to recognize that I surely had some things that needed to be dealt with. And, and I wanted to a be super careful about who, who I brought into that mess, but also commit to making sure that, that I showed up as good as I possibly could as consistently as I possibly could for the rest of my life with, with this person. And I think when, when you feel like you've gotten it right, you know, you mentioned your wife, who's amazing. And I feel my wife's amazing. And, and in many ways, you know, how, how lucky that, that I could be married to her. I I owe it to her to try to be the best version of myself. And yeah, that takes, takes a lot of work, like really uncomfortable work, like really introspective work and, and hearing sometimes things about yourself and your actions and your thoughts and your feelings that, that maybe make you uncomfortable and, and maybe you want to resist for a little while, but when you start looking at the payoff for improving self and how it benefits those around you, then then you just kind of commit to it. And uh, and we have fun with it. Like we've kind of gotten to this place where where we really started unpacking some uncomfortable stuff and and being really challenged. But also, I think the beauty in that for us, Mike, has been like now that I'm I'm doing this work with Mel, I, I can see like where her stuff comes from. And I like, I have a deep understanding of it and I really empathize with it. So when I see like these things pop up, it's not just the mask or the thing that I focus on. I can get past that three or four levels deep and really start conceptualizing in third person. Like, Hey, here's, here's where she's coming from. I got my own shit. Let's just try to drop some of that and and be empathetic and and work towards the growth of the relationship. And it's really been empowering for both of us. I mean, I, I can't, I can't recommend Kelly enough, but I also just strongly advise all of us who are in committed relationships just to do that uncomfortable work, right? Yeah, you know, and it's such a uh, an enlightening process too, because, you know, Karen and I, we've been married for 23 years and, um, you know, sometimes, my kids were just talking about this the other day. Uh, my oldest son, I think it was my oldest son, Dylan, he was talking about, you know, memories and, oh, he was talking about high school. Actually, he was on my podcast last week. I was trying to think where that story came from. But he was talking about how, uh, you know, probably the most challenging time for him was after he graduated from high school, because he was just thinking back to that time when he was in high school, all he wanted to do was get out. But then Mm -hmm. when he was thinking back, um, he was talking about how all we remember is like the good times. And I'm just thinking back as we're talking through this too. And I look back on 23 years and I think it's probably a good thing that I don't remember, you know, the majority of the bad times, it's mostly good. But when you really start connecting those dots backwards and you look at that journey and all of a sudden you think, man, Karen, I've been at this for 23 years. And so it's 23 years also of shit, right? Like we've been through the shit. And a lot of times you don't really, you don't really, uh, you know, think about that or you forget the bad times and all of that. And I just so much wisdom coming from, from my son, but I think it's good to kind of reminisce too and realize that, um, or hear from people like you too, that, you know, it's not always perfect and you have you know, a, 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 a person that you meet with a coach, really, essentially, you can call it counseling, but really a coach, just like yeah, we have yeah. in business. It's a marriage coach, right? A hundred percent, man. And I, I love the way that you've unpacked that because what you're saying is that your focus has always been on the good. Like you don't look at Karen and think of the list of things that she's doing that drive you crazy. You're focused on the good and you let go of that other stuff, right? You give permission to her to be herself, quirky, irritated, angry, messy, whatever it is, right? Uh, And recognize that, hey, listen, like, that's just part of the beauty that I'm fortunate enough to be around. And we all have the stuff. And presumably, she's looking at me feeling some of the same things. And and we don't focus on it. I think, you know, what you focus on grows. And, and too often, I think people find themselves in relationships where they just can't let go of that stuff. They're hyper focused on these things. And then 
over the trajectory of a marriage, 10, 15, 23 years, whatever it is, they do think of those negative things. And it's because of where their focus has been. So congrats on you for having that optimistic outlook and looking at the good. Well, you know, and I think back to um, any any time I've ever given advice to, you know, a bachelor or somebody getting married, I think it's kind of natural we go around and talk about, mine has always been pick your battles. Because honestly, most of the shit doesn't matter. And really, right. you know, as I'm thinking through this too, people are probably thinking that you're some kind of marriage consultant or counselor or something. We'll get into court. Courtney is a badass. So runs a team, um, a real estate team, and we'll get into all that. But you're a coach. And really, I was just thinking about this. It's interesting how, you know, anybody who's successful at what they do, like you building a team and all of that, really, doesn't it just come down to human interaction? It really does. And I think we have to be graceful in the way that we view ourselves. You know, we have to give ourselves permission to to be vulnerable, to be honest, to be open and and to be real, right? And and I think we have to, in doing so, create space for others around us to feel safe in doing the same. Otherwise, we all like walk around wearing these masks, trying to protect the world from us and us from the world. And we never really get anywhere, you know, like you know, we have these kind of fake lives that we've constructed to impress people that maybe we don't love or care about, but inside we're feeling empty and alone, you know, and, and I've done that, you know, I don't want to say that I haven't, but when you realize the freedom of just showing up, like I do with, you know, a love shirt on vulnerable, honestly, like there's just a lot of power in that. And, and it creates flourishing relationships. And I've seen that in my personal life and I want more of that for the people around me. I want more of that in my business. And um, yeah, man, it's been, it's been the most fulfilling part of my life to be frank. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited to get into all that. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Yeah, greatest setback. Well, uh, this wasn't that long ago, man. In fact, uh, you and I would have been friends and you wouldn't have known. And most people didn't know. Uh, about five years ago, a little bit more than that, maybe, uh, I had a small team, I think six realtors on my team. We're at 40 now, uh, 45 soon. And... Um, True story, one Wednesday, the market had shifted a little bit. The team came to me kind of collectively and said, hey, like we need some more leads. Um, so I, I said, okay, yeah, fair enough. Things are getting a little bit dry out there. I'll see what I can do. And uh, recognizing that I had already kind of spent myself broke doing lead generation and creating systems and tools and opportunities for everybody. I didn't have any more money in the bank. True story, I had $3,600 in the bank and a $15,000 payroll due the following Friday. So I had about like, I don't know, eight days or so to come up with, uh, you know, whatever that was, an extra 10 grand or so. And didn't have it and had no deals closing or had one deal closing, but I still needed like five or 6,000 bucks. And uh, so I came back the following day with a plan. And my plan was, you know, we had this database filled with leads. Hey guys, we're going to create some accountability and we'll, we'll do some more dials into this database. Surely we'll turn out some opportunities there that we already have. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to increase our commission by a percent. I'll modify the marketing plan so that we can command that. We'll go through scripts and dialogues so that you can get out there and make more money. And then we'll add in a transaction fee to each transaction on the buy side and sell side. And I'll support you in getting that. And, uh, and that'll drive the additional revenue that each of you is asking for. So thinking I'd solved all the world problems of this genius plan and how I was going to roll it out and how I was going to support the team, like it fell completely flat. And you got to remember, I was still in production. I think I was doing probably 50 or so sales a year, but my my income was required to keep the company afloat. And uh, I couldn't step out of production at that point in time. And so they kind of said, well, we want to talk about this. And they got back to me in the afternoon. Four of the five people told me in the follow-up meeting that if I did any one of those things, every one of them was going to leave the team en masse, which would have left me broke and bankrupt. And so I soon realized that... Um, you know, it was me, right, that had created this environment. I taught these people how to treat me and I had created this culture that, um, you know, was entitled and was disrespectful. And I had to own 100% of it. These, these weren't bad people. They were just doing what they, what they thought that they were to do on this particular team, a team that I had built. And so I recognized that I needed to change the entire team, uh, that most of those people were going to have to leave because I didn't want them in my life anymore because I felt disrespected and uncared for. And, uh, I also had to go borrow $10,000 from my mother-in-law. And uh, I can't tell you that I was super excited about that, but hey man, I, I knew that I could make this business work if I could do this deep internal work where I could show up differently, somebody that was respectable, somebody who was a leader, somebody who did command um, 
love, I think is really what I was looking for. Somebody that could be loved, somebody that, um, that deserved that. And I hadn't shown up that way. I think I'd shown up with some pretty big masks, a lot of ego. <clears throat> and uh, in truth, I was showing up as the kind of leader who, I, I use that term loosely, who was expecting a lot of things from people for me. And I really wasn't showing up in service uh, to those people in the way that they needed. And, um, and I, and I, I owed them more. I owed it. I owed my future team more. And so I just made that decision that, uh, you know, that in order to build a team <clears throat> that was first of all, profitable, that was successful, that I was happy about, I had to be the type of leader who deserved it, you know, and, and that was just a really challenging thing. And so I would call that a low, but I would also call that the greatest gift of my life because, you know, here we are five years later, I, I, you know, have my in-laws living above my building. Uh, you know, we, put a $500,000 condo up for them. We've got a bunch of real estate investments that we've made. Uh, we've crossed many thresholds uh, in our business over the, the past five years that I don't think we ever could have crossed were it not for that fateful Wednesday, you know, about five years ago. So I'm super grateful for it. But yeah, I can't tell you that it was fun. There were a lot of dark days, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And um, I wouldn't want to relive it, but I can tell you that... Um, that I know what it feels like. And I'm glad that it happened. How did you, I mean, you just said a lot and you've obviously processed through that, but how did you know? I, I think so many times people are like scared to make those major moves in their organization. And how, how did you know? I mean, was it just the fact that they, you know, that whole team was kind of revolting on you? And like you said, you know, you had to go reinvent yourself because you got yourself in that. How did you know that was the right thing to do? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. And I want to honor it because I, I, I take it for granted now, like I, I powered through that pretty quick, right? So I'll unpack it in a bit more kind of day to day. I would say after that day, the first course of action was solving the immediate problem, which was how was I going to pay my staff? So in pretty short order, you know, I assessed my options and I borrowed the 10 grand. Um, beyond that, I started just thinking about, you know, what were the symptoms of the organization and where were the common denominators? And no matter which way I looked at it, Mike, I was at the center of it. You know, like I just couldn't get away from the fact that I like everywhere I looked was a problem that I had created some, some sort of problem. And, you know, it was my company, my team had my name on the door. You know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't presume for a moment that there was some way for me to get out from under the responsibility of, of that. And, and then I think I just, I recognized that I didn't have the skills or the training to be able to navigate through this on my own. So I started doing some reading. Um, around that time, I read our friend Hal Elrod's book, Miracle Morning. I read The Happiness Advantage. I read a bunch of Tony Robbins stuff. Um, I read the book Hell Week. Uh, just a, a lot of kind of like reflective self-improvement type books and and just immediately made some, some real changes in my life. The first of all was uh, starting to get up at five o'clock in the morning you know, super religiously doing my, my morning workout routine, creating a pattern of going through gratitude because you and I both know how it helps us see more abundantly the opportunities available to us in the universe. I started dealing with some of the baggage that I was carrying around that that was making me show up as a person in scarcity and, and demanding a lot of these things from people around me rather than being in a position of abundance and service. So I did that through uh, through working through affirmations on a daily basis. I included a meditation practice, you know, daily stretching, daily visualization, daily goal setting. And I just religiously got up every day and went through this practice, you know, probably took me by the time I got through it all, maybe about two hours. And I've hung on to that. In fact, I, I get up at, you know, even earlier now, uh, about 3.30, I guess is kind of where I've settled on it working for me now, uh, because that has made such a difference in my life. You know, I just, I realized that, listen, like we can affect so much in our lives if we look introspectively and deeply about how we're showing up and how we're being of service to those around us. And if we can improve that, literally everything around us changes. And I know it sounds so cliche, but I couldn't have lived it anymore, really, you know, from going from literally having to evaluate whether or not I could make it in this business to living a life that I couldn't have possibly dreamed of in five short years. Just, it seems amazing to me. It seems impossible, like a dream to me, but I also recognize that it's very much connected to who I was being and how I started showing up. You know, I, I think there's, again, just a ton of value in that, but also I, I think a lot of times in, 
me included, people think that, you know, they look at a Courtney and I was telling you this, like, I, I remember seeing one of your posts and you're like out at 3.30 a.m. outside of a hotel. It's the middle of winter and you're out getting it done. Uh, you, po you posted something about that. And I think a lot of people from the outside look at someone like you and they're like, oh, you know, Courtney's just a machine. He's always been this way. Like he's, so I appreciate your, you know, you being vulnerable. And, and I think most people, you, I love what you said there. You carried that through because number one, those habits and the, you know, that new person that you had become helped yeah. you get out of that situation. But I love that you've kept it. And again, I think sometimes, again, me included, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, Courtney just loves to work out and he loves being healthy and he loves, no. yeah. It's not like that at all. I mean, and I, I know it's the same for, for you and for anybody that's achieved massive things like, like you have, it, it becomes like the medicine that you take to, to avoid failure and to achieve success. Like it's this beautiful medicine that kind of bridges that gap. Mm -hmm. um, and sure, it makes me feel better, but listen, man, like, you know, for those that are listening, you should know, like when I was growing up, probably through my mid thirties, I was never not the last guy to bed at a party. And I was at all of the parties. Like I would crush the last beer, you know, three, four, five in the morning was my regular routine on a weekend for sure. And I was never an alcoholic or anything, but like, I just grew up so scared of missing people. Like I just really needed the connections that would happen with those people so that I would just do anything to make it happen. And I, and I sacrificed a lot personally, professionally to do that. When I realized that I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to show up abundantly in service to affect the lives of those around me. And that that was the thing that was actually holding me back from accomplishing the things that I wanted to do it was an easy switch to make. I was like, well, I'm choosing this pain over this pain. Like I would rather have the pain of getting up at three 30 in the morning and at least have the potential for the success that I'm seeking because my current things are causing me pain and they're holding me back from that. And so it, it was just a matter of choosing a different pain. I don't want anybody to think I like three 30 in the morning. Like it's not fun. It's not like this joyous time when I'm up and I get going. Yeah, it's good. I get my work done and I feel great. But hey, man, like I also go to bed at eight o'clock. I miss lots of stuff that happens at night times. And that's kind of boring. Right. But hey, it suits my family. It suits my lifestyle. And it suits my trajectory. And maybe for somebody else, they go to bed at midnight and wake up at eight. Like if that's what works for you, then go ahead and do that. I mean, sleep's important. Just make sure you're getting your seven to eight hours. Right. Right. I love it. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Yeah, I love that question, man. More often than not, and, and this is something that I that I really try to focus on with my coaching clients, but it can be difficult for people to open up and be real. Um, and as, as I said, I, I coach team leaders and brokers in the real estate space, and it's really about focusing on the being instead of the doing. You know, and so, so often, you know, we've built a successful business, and we've scaled quickly, and we have a lot of joy here and a lot of fun here and a lot of loyalty here. But I can't just give somebody the toolkit and all the widgets and all the systems and say, hey, go create this thing. It's going to be perfect. All you need to do is do the thing. That matters and it's important, but it matters more how we show up. It matters more the words that we choose. It matters more the energy that we come with. It matters more how much service we bring to the people that we're with and how much we love on them and how much we truly care for them and how much you can't bullshit your way through that. Mm -hmm. And I think too often people are focused on the thing like, hey, just tell me what button to press and I'm going to go press that button and I'm going to hit a home run. And it's like, well, yeah, you need the buttons and you need the things that the buttons do. Uh, but it's more about how you press the button. It's more about your energy when you're doing it and what you say around that and how you inform people about how this benefits them and, and why you're doing it because you love them and how it's in service of them and their growth, not, not so much around you. Yeah. I mean, you'll get the things that you want for sure. If, mm -hmm. if you can affect enough positive outcomes for those that you're in service of. And that concept I think is really, really hard for a lot of people because it does, it does involve kind of letting down the mask of like, you know, being the man, being super in charge, you know, being that go-getter and, and the grind and all the stuff that I think like men are taught, boys are taught. And, and, uh, you know, I was, dude, I was like a 280 pound university football player with all the ego and anger and aggression in the world. And it, like, it took me decades to learn that that was like an impotence to my success. Like I can't show up as that person and live the kind of life that I wanted. People that I'm in service of need somebody different than that. And so my, I feel like my calling is supporting people and feeling like they've got a safe space with me uh, to, to unpack some of that and to be more real so that they can affect those outcomes that they're looking for and that those people around them deserve. 
You know, I, I, I think I, I want to personally, I don't listen to a lot of my episodes, but I just marked that because I want to go back and, and, and revisit what you just said, because it rings so true to me. And I've been thinking about like, if I could narrow it down, uh, you know, obviously we're on the investing for freedom podcast. And I think even from a young age, um, the reason, you know, I started my first business at 24 and we scaled, you know, fastest growing companies in America in 2009, blah, blah, blah. But I've said this so many times, I, if there was, you know, if somebody asked me like, what is, what is the piece of advice or what's the key to your success or whatever, it's really getting out of my own way. And I didn't understand that. And what you just unpackaged there, like, it kind of makes me want to go start a real estate team so I could coach with you, honestly, because, <laughs> um, I think that's the key to so much in life. And when I think about investing for freedom, I've been thinking about this. Like, I think I'm really great at scaling an amazing family. Not that I want to bring the word scale into family, but my family, when it comes to travel, connection, experiences, like just being together, my oldest son and his girlfriend come over on Friday afternoons and they have a sleepover all weekend. Like when when we talk that's about- an accomplishment, scaling, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Scaling a family, scaling a business, scaling your investments. Like that's how I would narrow it down. But really the key to that, and you really eloquently put this, there's so much ego involved. And you were talking about like men and how we're programmed to be, you know, like when I love the Ronald Reagan quote, I, I know I know he said it, I don't know if he originally came up with it, but there's no limit to the good we can do if we don't care who gets the credit. And mm -hmm. with everything that I just heard you say, it was like getting out of the way and ego. And there's so many people, like whether it's, you know, a broker trying to scale their team or a team leader trying to scale their team or it's somebody trying to scale an HVAC business or scale their family or whatever, ego and, you know, wanting to be needed. And if there's a key to my success, honestly, and I've jokingly said this, but I'm half serious about it, it's that I'm lazy. I don't want to have to show up when I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to be at the office from nine to five on a day that I don't want to be there. And right. so I'm, I'm not saying that I'm lazy, but there's a lazy streak in me that has really been the key to my success. And what you just said there, that's why I want to go back and re-listen to that. Like that was almost like a, a um, I, I feel like that was a theme song to getting your ego out of the way and how to, it's the who, not how concept, but the way you put it is so masterful in getting out of our way. I appreciate that. And I, I've been reflecting a lot on this lately. I'm actually in the process of getting tested for ADHD, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. I just like information. And one of the things that I've been discovering about ADHD, whether or not I have it, is that we need a lot of help because we can be really, really scattered. And and one of the things that is has been a superpower of mine has been recognizing that, listen, like if I just stay in this head and this body and try to do the work. Like I'm just not going to be disciplined enough to execute on it. Like I can get it 40, 50% of the way there, but then it dies. And I had this vision that there were some beautiful things that we could create if only we had people that could deliver on these ideas. And so almost from day one, I began surrounding myself with people who could do that, people who could deliver on concepts and ideas that I was able to take so far, but not able to, to scale. And so you know, the growth of my organization, I think, has been in large part, uh, partly to do with laziness, because I, like you, love a day off with no responsibility and, and nobody needing me. Like, I just really, I, I can enjoy those Zen moments. But also, I, I was tired of feeling like a failure. Like, I just really felt like I, I couldn't do anything on my own. Like, I really just needed help if I was going to be successful. And so I had to let go of, like, whatever ego was associated with that. And and, and ask for help. And so I learned that really early on. And, and obviously you did too, because you've scaled a number of successful companies over the years and you have to ask for help and you have to be prepared to disappear and let other people, you know, wear the championship ring while you go on holidays and nobody knows what you did and have to be okay with that. But to me, that's freedom also, um, recognizing that I, like you, can go on a holiday and not take my phone with me and nothing's going to happen. I'll come back to a fully operational, profitable company where people are happy to see me, but not overly, you know, like they love me, but it's not like they need me to function, right? Yeah. Well, in, in the other side of that conversation too, that I had to learn the hard way, um, I think conceptually, we all start to understand what you were saying. Like, you know, get out of the way, delegate, who not how. But the thing that I had to learn the hard way is like, when, when I start moving out of the way, I've jokingly said this for years and I probably just need to do it, but I need to create white flags 
that I give to my team so that they can, I've, I've swung the other way to where like literally you could be drowning. And if you don't raise your white flag, I might not even know that you needed me because I, I've become such the opposite of a micromanager um, that I've had to, you know, these pendulum swings as a leader, I have to, I have to really become cognizant of what I'm trying to get out of the way. It's so out of my nature that I swung too far the opposite way. And actually, one of the most challenging things for me, and I'd love your opinion on this, I think conceptually people get it. Get out of the way, set your mm-hmm. ego aside, hire good people, let them do their job. We understand all of that, but when they make mistakes or they don't do things the way that I would do, I used to sink my teeth into them. Like, ah, you know, I get mad and I've calmed down a lot as a, as a, as an older fellow, but man, I, when I look at the, the wake of bodies that are behind me, um, (laughs) and it's been painful. (laughs) Well, buddy, I did this last week, you know, and and I've, I've learned so much over the years as you have, and and we all do, but you know, we all, I think, take these steps back. Right. And I, I took a step back last week. I had one of my team members, you know, do something that really disappointed me. And, you know, based on the information that I had, it was a glaring error. And so I I just jumped on it rather than asking questions and unpacking, just like you said, I really sunk my teeth into it. And, and then naturally, you know, what happens is that more information comes out and, you know, it was a justifiable mistake and really not a big deal at all. But, you know, I, I left this person, you know, feeling inadequate and, and feeling in some ways disrespected. And I, listen, I just owned it immediately. I apologized. I said, I'm sorry and reminded myself, listen, like ask better questions. Don't make these assumptions around people. Everybody's here doing the best that they can. And some days that's great. And some days it's not so great. But at the end of the day, if you didn't have to be there doing the thing, that's a blessing unto itself. And just honoring that person for being a stopgap between you and whatever that thing is and recognizing that, dude, when I was doing it, same as you, the scale of good to bad was way more broad than it is now because I had a thousand things, you know, like the spectrum is only like this. It might not be 10 out of 10 the way that Courtney would do it. Maybe it only gets to eight, but it doesn't drop to one when I go on holidays. It stays at lowest, like a four to a five. And that's a pretty good spread if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my early mentors, I I didn't really know him personally, but Karen, I used to run a youth ministry and um, his name was Ron Luce and he ran this organization called Teen Mania Ministries. And, mm. you know, they would put on these, they would put on like in, in 50 cities across the country, or maybe it was 35 cities. They would put on these huge like youth events where they bring in youth and they bring in like DC talk and all these, you know, uh, rock Christian bands. And they put yeah. on these entire, they had 2000 interns, the, the what? intern. Yeah. So we had like 200 and some employees that put all this, you know, on, but, but they'd use 2000 interns. So you'd, you'd go there, you'd intern for nine months and they'd use interns to put the majority of these events on. And, you know, I mean, as a participant in the audience, like you wouldn't see any of the bad, but Ron Luce was always talking about, like, can you imagine? And it was a two year internship. So every year there's a thousand new teenagers coming in and he's like, can you imagine the amount of mistakes? And he's like, and I'm a perfectionist. This was the first time that I was kind of exposed to this thought process. He's like, Mm -hmm. I had to understand that even though these teenagers are going to do it, maybe, you know, 30%, 40%, 50%, maybe best case scenario, 80% as good as I would do it. There's 2000 people getting that percentage more of things done. So I just got to mitigate, you know, what we're allowing them to do and how we train them and how fast we let them go. And just an early exposure to that whole process. That's that's a great concept, and and I think it's easier to understand on scale like that. But it applies at any scale. Truth be told, right? You know, the more things that we can leverage ourselves out of, the further up the pay ladder we can go with our focus or take time away, depending on where we're at in our in our, in our growth trajectory. But uh, with two thousand people, yeah, you can see even if at thirty percent, man, like that still buys me, uh, you know, six hundred hundred percenters or whatever the math is, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's cool. Last question, and then we'll kind of rip on whatever we want to. So who's had the greatest impact on your life? I'm going to use an organization, um, and I, I could narrow it down. But organizationally, Go Abundance has had the biggest impact on my life. Um, specifically, two guys that I know you know, Adam Roach and Sam Wiegert, who I've been in a pod with now for seven years. Uh, but I would attribute a lot of my growth to those guys. Um, they taught me accountability, I would say it's fair to say. Um, they taught me about endurance. Uh, they they taught me about scale. They taught me about self acceptance, uh, and lessons about friendship that um, 
that I think I hadn't hadn't really really learned and hadn't found a, a safe place like that uh, up to that point in my life. And so I think you know there's this kind of you know dovetailing of the relationship that I've had with GoBundance and the challenge that I was faced with about five years ago. And I think in large part I can attribute my ability to navigate through that to those two guys to GoBundance as an organization. And uh, to my having the success that I have now and feeling like I'm on this great trajectory, you know, living my best life. And uh, so I feel really blessed and really privileged um, uh, because of those two guys and because of GoBundance. You know, I'd love to say things like my parents or, you know, my sister or brother or something. But the fact is, is that my parents were teachers and they're loving folks and I and, you know, my biggest fans and and tremendous people. But, um, you know, uh, we don't have a lot in common. Like the journey that I've been on, you know, is really different than the journey that anybody that I've been close to in my life, with the exception of of people like you, uh, people that I've met in GoBundance and Adam and Sam specifically. So I'm going to say those two guys. Um, but second to that, and and not to be redundant, but the truth is, is that, you know, my wife comes with a tremendous entrepreneurial experience because of her her family and um, and the way that she was brought up. And so uh, I have to attribute a lot to her too, you know, and not to take her for granted because, you know, she's the COO of our company. Uh, we own it together. We literally share an office. And in fact, we share a desk. And so we see one another every day and I, I can't get enough of her. And, um, and she's really good at, at helping me kind of check the things that, um, that need checking and helping me be real and, and giving me the feedback that nobody else in an organization like mine would give me, you know, Maybe you were a little bit harsh in that meeting. Maybe you want to think about this perspective. Maybe you want to lighten up. Maybe you just want to take a minute and go breathe. Why don't you take a walk around the building? Like just the little things that I think are so empowering in the growth of an organization. But when you're doing it alone, nobody's really going to say those things to you. And, and I trust her so deeply that I think it's worth mentioning her as well because she's literally here every day. I love it. It's so good. It, it's so good to have those people like Sam and Adam and like your wife too, because I and I love the way you know you kind of frame that at the end because you're unique, and whether you have ADHD or it's just a visionary thing. Uh, so I've often my brother had ADHD, and I used to smoke his Ritalin when I was little. Like, <laughs> um, so and I'm pretty sure that I have a, a thread of ADHD, or I'm a visionary. I'm not sure which, but bringing it back, like a lot of times, you know, especially when we're running organizations as much as I would love, you know, one of my favorite books is the five dysfunctions of a team. And one of those, yeah. you know, Required the required reading here, by the way, so good. Um, but you know, one of them is, is um, the absence of conflict, right? Or the fear of conflict. Mm -hmm. And and as much as we would love to, you know, in, ingrain that in our organization, I have a team that's been with me, my core team has been with me in multiple businesses in different roles. Um, I've got two people. In fact, my CEO at our property management company, you, long to, I hired him as a, he was a radio sales guy. He used to sell oh. me radio ads um, in 2005, six. Yeah. And he was so good. I hired him and I sent him off to training to be an HVAC sales guy. And then he progressed and became my service manager, et cetera, et cetera. But the reason why, and he's now my CEO, the reason why I bring all that up is even, even in that, we don't always have those people that challenge us. And that's why, like, I love that you bring your wife back into that. And the fact that, you know, she can be that mirror to you because we do, we do need that. Sure, and as sure. much as like we build that, um, you know, organization that we're not scared of conflict, et cetera. Um, I don't know that we always have that as high performing leaders and stuff. So whether it's GoBundance or, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's the wife in your organization or for our listeners, um, whoever that is for you, I think it's so valuable. So huge, huge wisdom. I think there's a common thread there that we're talking about. And I think it's really around accountability and to a degree, honesty. And one of the challenging things that that you find and that I find and that other leaders find is that it's tough organizationally to find people that will hold us accountable. Now, we might desire it from our leaders, from the people that we support. And we might think that, you know, we can give them this thing in support of them towards their goals and we can get that from them. But the truth is, is that most people in our organizations aren't comfortable holding their CEO, their founder, their owner accountable. And so we have to seek these relationships outside of the confines of the business, whether it's through a friendship like yours and mine or mine and Adams and Sam's or mine and my wife's or, you know, with a relationship coach or with a business coach like many of us have. 
um, we have to be be aware of the fact that you know ultimately it comes down to you know who are we accountable to and who's who's helping us be our most real and who's asking the hard questions about the way that we're showing up and and also like who also has like the least filtered view of the way that things actually are because you know if I'm showing up to a coaching session like whatever I'm communicating to my coach has been filtered through my ego. Right. And so having a person on the ground, seeing it is actually really beneficial, like it or not. Like my wife sees the words that I chose in that moment and she can bring that to a counseling session. And I really appreciate that. And sometimes it gets super uncomfortable, yeah. but I just think the trajectory for improvement, when you have an unfiltered view of your actions and your conduct, I think it's just really tremendous from an improvement standpoint. So to me, it's about accountability to truth. Yeah, no, I love it. And I guess in the interest of time specifically for you, because I don't want to um, keep you all day, I think we could probably go on forever. When we're talking about that coaching and, uh, you know, I have, I have a guy, uh, a, a mutual friend, he's in GoBundance as well. He's in our couples mastermind. And he was talking about, he runs a team and he was talking about scaling. And it's kind of interesting the way that this all kind of ties together, but this just shows the value even of social media. Because again, you and I hadn't talked, but I've been watching you from afar. And I think that's one of my superpowers, whether it's social media or I'm in a room or whatever. Um, like I've been watching you and I've seen what you've done and how you've scaled your organization. And then I've also seen some of the communication that you've shared about your coaching and, and what you've done. And I was talking to this particular person and he was just telling me, I can help, I'm a generalist. Like when it comes to what I know, like I can help people scale, but when it comes to running like a real estate team, we also have to know when to get out of the way. And I was like, you know what? You need to talk to Courtney. And so number one, well done in, you, you know, showing up and, and, and doing such a great job of communicating because I immediately knew that if that number one, I couldn't help my client or my friend any longer, um, but also that you were the man for the job. So I'm curious. And I think he called you and I think you guys are uh, um, engaged, but we're scheduled to start, I think next week or two weeks from now. Yeah. Sweet. I know like just watching you, this has become a huge passion of yours, taking what you've been able to do and now um, teaching other people how to scale teams. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think when we get a taste of, of the things that we're meant to do, you know, really, really 100% plugged into to our passion and something that we're gifted at and that brings us tremendous joy and that affects, you know, really great outcomes for those around us. It it's almost like a drug, you know, like you just want to do more and more of it. And, and I think the privilege for me over the years has been supporting agents on my team and their personal growth and their sales. And then given the struggles and the trajectory that I've been on over the past five or six years, and I suppose in total over 13 years, um, it really just started organically. People were reaching out to me, they'd heard my story and they wanted to know how to navigate some of the same things. And then eventually it turned into, you know, a real gig where, um, you know, I was invited to join other coaching organizations and, and did that for some time before I went independent. And, and the cool thing about it is that, you know, in addition to the reach that I have here in my own communities that I serve, we're in three different markets, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat and Calgary. Now I get to impact, you know, I have a, a team that I coach in Florida. There's 100 agents there. You know, we're in Alaska. I have clients all across Ontario. We're in Colorado, you know, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, like all over the place. And it's, it's just really, uh, I, it gives me great joy. And I, and I think it's a real privilege that I, that I get to impact lives indirectly in those, in those markets as well, by, by leading those team leaders to supporting their members by, by being the best version of themselves, certainly by having systems and tools that we support them with, but just by helping them show up better and, and being better leaders. And then you and I mentioned earlier, you know, by by joining EXP, like I did a couple of years ago, now I get to impact even more lives, but don't have to charge for it because of the way that our network works and the reciprocity and the passive income streams that come by virtue of that. You know, I'm giving these tools and and skills away to the folks that are in my EXP network. And so that's just been a really joyous journey. And that's that, that's kind of been the trajectory that I've been on. Not to say that I'm not invested or interested in my team anymore, but there's so much management and support that's in place for these folks locally that they don't need me as much as they did before so i can direct this energy to my coaching clients and to the folks in my in my business network through exp and you know like you i mean i just feel so lucky i feel so lucky that that i found something that i'm gifted at something that i enjoy something i can stay connected to something that i want to do for the rest of my days 
and uh, something that pays me well and something that people appreciate. Like, how, how much better could it be? I honestly don't, I don't know. I don't feel like there's anything else out there for me that could be this good. Yeah, it's it's so true. And just even thinking about our conversation in pod, I've gone back and forth. Like, I've thought about doing the podcast in the AM because I get so jacked after a podcast. Like, right. like I want to feel this way all day. <laughs> right. And I'm also like, you know what? I'm going to put these in the afternoon because I'm a little bit tired and then I just get jacked. It'll give you that energy, yeah. right? Yeah. So I agree with you, man. Doing what you love is, is just so important. Um, so who's your ideal client uh, when it, uh, it's obviously somebody trying to scale a team and uh, how they yeah. get Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's somebody trying to scale a team, somebody trying to scale a brokerage, um, somebody that's prepared to be uncomfortable, uh, somebody that um, probably on, on, on the more vulnerable side. I mean, not to say that I can't coach people with egos, but it doesn't bring me as much joy. Um, you know, this is literally a shirt that I wear every day. Like I'm just literally trying to encourage the universe just to show up with a little bit more love for self and for the people around them, just to slow things down, be more intentional and to be their best, just personally, just be their best. And so for me, that person is, is on the cusp of, or is already vulnerable, open and honest, and is maybe just lacking some of the leadership skills uh, to affect really, really positive outcomes for their team. And also somebody who maybe hasn't had success uh, implementing great systems and creating uh, an understandable trajectory for their team to buy into systems. Also around accountability, which I think can be a bad word in a lot of organizations, but um, I teach people to be able to construct an environment where accountability is actually one of the key things that we can do for the people that we love to support them in their wins and helping them see that and understand that and most importantly, feel that so that it's not some like top down thing that we expect from people in our organization so that we can sell more widgets and do more things and make the team leader more money. But but truly so that the people that are in our organizations can can live better lives and, and bring that type of energy to their families, to their communities, and to the relationships they have with their clients. So, so that's my that's my niche, uh, and those are the people that I really, really love to work with. Well, i i don't I don't take my referrals lightly, and i I would I, I would that. refer people to you. And so, if well, first <laughs> I wanted to say this because I was thinking it. You know, when you talk about being vulnerable in the way you coach, and there's there's a few guys that I really respect and admire. Number one, like the, the amount of energy that you bring. And so number one, I, I know that it's not that you couldn't kick my ass. Like you could kick my ass if you wanted to, but you've been through, like you're just such a humble, gentle human. Um, <laughs> I love that. And I, your, your, your eyes are kind of shocked. Like what the heck's Mike saying here? You could kick my ass. But like, I love when I see a guy who's been through it. And I've heard a little bit about your younger background and everything else, but I love when I talk, get to know somebody like you that's, I know you've been through it. And, you know, at initial glance, like, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of like a big guy. Like, I know you could kick my ass, but you're so gentle and you're so honest and humble. Like, I would love to be coached by you. Dude, that's, that's one of the kindest things that you could have said to me. I really appreciate that. Not the part about kicking your ass. Um, don't care so much about that. Although I used to arm wrestle quite a bit. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I just know what it's like on the other side, you know, and um, like, as I said to you, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to be that big, scary guy because, you know, I needed that. I was, I've always been like sensitive, right. I've always been scared. You know, I've always been, had those feelings of like not enoughness. Right. And we're all dealing with stuff like that. Like that doesn't make me unique. It's not a, a superpower. It's a super common thing yeah. for me. I just covered it up with, being gigantic and super scary and aggressive. And I, and I carried that for, for a long time and, and, and learned through a series of, I think, really fortunate life circumstances that, that just didn't serve me and that, it, that, and that the world could really benefit from me being the way that I was, you know? Yeah. And so I appreciate you see, saying that because uh, to me, that's the biggest compliment. Like, thank you for showing up as you. Like, well, first of all, it's easy once you've done it. Yeah. Secondly, that really hits home for a person who's done the work. And, and secondly, I hope it creates space for, for our viewers and our listeners here to, to unpack some of that and recognize that there is lots of love out there for that. Same with you. I mean, this is why you and I get along so well, because you're exactly the same way. I mean, we've all had challenges and you've been through some brutal times and you've had tremendous success. And, and at the end of the day, I know the reason why you're successful too is because you love impacting lives. I mean, this is the reason why you're doing the podcast. You want to be of service, not only in your family, not only in your community, not only in your business, but literally everywhere that you go. And I think that's why you make so many friends. And I would call this 
what I think is one of your superpowers is that you just show up humbly the same everywhere you go without ego, you know, w- without carrying the trophies with you, just in service of people that you meet. And that's just a rare gift. And so I commend you for carrying that with you too. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm not a big guy. I'm five, six and a half. I always make sure that I add that on because, you know, I've, but I was a terror back in the day. And, you know, I, I mean, people were scared of me because I would fight even as a little guy, like I would, none of that matters. And I think that's kind of why I recognize, you know, I don't care if you're a big guy or a small guy, really that ego and, and just the work you've done and how vulnerable you are and how you show I don't need to go back through that, but I think I just recognize it and you obviously do too. And you can uh, see it, right? Like you, you've been there, you know it, and you, you know how hard it is to power through that. So I, I can appreciate the fact that you want to acknowledge that in people and, and encourage more to, to travel that road, right? Yeah. Well, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh man, lots of ways, but I think Facebook is probably the easiest. So my name's Courtney Atkinson. Obviously you can see it on the Zoom call there. I use Instagram as well. You'll find me on Instagram. Um, Those are the two best ways. Just send me a DM and, and you know, Mike, what I always say to folks, and and it's so rare that people actually will take you up on this opportunity because I know that you do the same thing, but I say like, just reach out. You know, if you feel like something here resonated with you and you just want to trade stories or get some free advice or you need somebody to lift you up or help you through some struggles, nothing could give me more joy than to do that. Yeah. I think people are scared a lot of times because I do say that. And I think people, you know, they don't want to bother you and everything, but I know, I know that you would, uh, you mean it, you're genuine. And so if, if you found value in this and, and want to reach out to Courtney, do it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And listen, let me say this, man, I, I just really appreciate the the format, the care, um, the questions, you know, the conversation, our friendship. I, I really appreciate that I had the chance to be here today with you. It was a good hangout. And, and I look forward to doing this again, man. I know that uh, now that we've kind of reconnected, uh, it's not going to be uh, two more years before we do this again. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. I appreciate it. And as always, just love that you lead with value. Yeah, you too, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Take good care. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.